Well, hello everyone. My name is Jeffrey Smith with the Institute for Responsible Technology. I'm with a man who I go to to give me the details on the absolutely crazy experiment on human life that's occurring in the Florida Keys. I'm talking about genetically engineered mosquitoes and my friend Barry Ray, who is who runs the Florida Keys Environmental Coalition. Welcome, Barry. Hi, Jeffrey. Thank you for introducing it that way because it is absolutely that. It's an experiment on humans, and we look at it with such uh, disappointment, for one thing, that we would have an internal group that is elected by the community, and they force this on us. And most of the community is very upset over it, unhappy over it. It is physically a poorly, poorly, if scientifically at all, investigated technology it only has the information provided by the vendor who is profiting from it for analyzing this, and they've released it on us. I've never heard of any such thing. Well, you only would take information from a vendor that's making money. It's kind of how captured regulatory agencies operate, and I have some examples of that around the world with the biotech industry. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to ask you, why they created these mosquitoes, what are they supposed to do? And then we'll talk about what could go wrong, which is a long list. And the what could go wrong is like, what could possibly go wrong with genetically engineered mosquitoes? We're gonna talk about human health, we're gonna talk about the environment, we're gonna talk about other mosquitoes coming in, and we're gonna talk about woven into this discussion are the lies, not the subtle, you know, sleight of hand by the biotech company Oxitech that's bringing it to us, but the hard fraud and lies that we have caught them uh, with, caught them red-handed, but somehow they have Teflon because no one is any, no one in charge in South Florida is paying attention to the fact that this company has been lying to them over and over again. Well, let's start with just one thing. One of the things you said was, what could possibly go wrong? And that's what people look at us, the media and others look at us, well, what are you afraid of? It's not the right question. It is not how we decide responsible science. We decide responsible science based upon what we investigate and what those results portend and what it suggests we should do next as responsible citizens that understand science. So. I go back to where we should have started the standard, which is the precautionary principle that says we will prove it's safe or we will understand the risk in great detail so we can look at them mathematically and determine if there are systems that allow us to mitigate that responsibly. One of those, and I'm going to give you a great example, and I don't want to get too far into this, but I want to make my point here, is that one of the great things they're skipping is this is a gene drive system. They can equivocate, the, well, but it's only partly Mandelian. They'll do all this hand-waving and confuse everybody, and it's irrelevant. Gene drive, by definition, is that you've modified the genetic traits that will be handed down in heredity to the next generations, period. No matter whether you did it halfway or you did it fully, and everybody gets it, it doesn't matter. You have no control of that evolutionary process once you release it into the wild. So normally, what happens and what the World Health Organization has recommended and stands on this still to this day is cage trials. Before you do a wild release, just seems like kind of a sensible thing. Doesn't cost us really that much money. Doesn't cost us that much time. Remember, we've been stopping them from doing this for almost 11 years now. And... You know, I sit there and look at it and go, why would you ever allow that step to be omitted when it could catch so many problems? One of the things that we know about Oxytech's past is when they did a cage trial of one of their predecessor mosquitoes before the OX513A, uh, was basically it failed. And it didn't fail because of something deleterious that, oh my God, look at this three-headed monster that came up. It failed because it was ineffective because the females, the wild females, were able to discriminate rather quickly. Well, as a manufacturer of a product, wouldn't you want to know that you have a weakness like that so you can go back and improve it? 
So there's benefit to both sides. Ours is not a fight against genetic modification or genetic engineering. Ours is a fight against the irresponsible vetting of it and the irresponsible use of it. And then forcing that down people's throats without them having an alternative, a means to opt out, to protect themselves. So we're subject, no matter what, to this experiment because they go everywhere. This company just seems to ignore all the normal parameters that, that even the most basic people would look at. All right, let's they catch ignore it because it's not in their benefit. Let's catch people up, Barry, because people are let's saying, well, why are they releasing it? Have they released it? Where are they releasing it? So 144,000 mosquitoes, is that the number that's been released so far? Well, that's what this trial A is supposed to be. We will never know. We will never know how many mosquitoes get released. We will never know how many get caught. We will never know if there was a female born. We will never, or if there was millions of females that are actually coming out of this. We will never know the truth because OxyTech's contracts and their non-disclosures that are required by all workers that are participating in the project are absolute, and OxyTech has 100% control over all information. Even the EPA will never right. know. But let's let's catch people up as to why they're genetically engineered. Right. Let's go there. All right. So let's so, talk about mosquitoes. Yes. The most dangerous animal on the planet is the Aedes aegypti mosquito. Barnum. It kills. It, it, it causes more disease and everything than any other mosquito. The next is probably the, uh, the you know, we go to malaria. And so we're looking at the uh, Anopheles mosquitoes. And there's several Anopheles mosquitoes that cause these problems. So how does the how does the the brand or the, the, the type of mosquito called the Aedes aegypti, how does it kill all of these people? Well, because um, it, it isn't just killing. Sometimes it's a sequence of killing, like you get a thing called breakbone fever or dengue. And dengue, the first time, you may have a small cold, or you may feel like you have breakbone fever and as painful as can be. Well, the next time it can be lethal. There's four different serotypes of dengue. And, you know, as you get other serotypes, you become more vulnerable to the uh, symptoms that are created when you get those infections, and some of them can be lethal. So, and that, there's more deaths that. from dengue than malaria? Good question. I think that there are, there's more damage from dengue. When I say oh, okay. the most dangerous mosquito in the world, it has affected people's health. And sometimes that can be, it can leave detriments that last your entire life after you get that. I have friends of mine that had dengue back in 2009, 2010. They still feel the repercussions of it. All right. Even so they don't have it any longer. So, so it's, 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 a, it's the most dangerous. It, it carries yellow fever. It carries West Nile virus. It can uh, carry Eastern equine encephalitis, it can, which, you know, that's brain damage rather quickly. And it can carry all these other lethal diseases. And it's proliferating quicker than any other mosquito. And as our climate changes, it's allowing it to go further and further north, where those venues are less adept at being able to deal with tropical diseases like this or, or understand them less. They can get just as practiced as everybody else, but it's a learning curve. And it's the you know, there's a, a large swath of the United States that is really in that band that hasn't been hit yet with these 80s aegypti at, at, in large masses. So we're, when I say the most dangerous, if it has to, it's not just that, hey, who killed more this year? It's not quite like that. I do believe the Anopheles is a very, very concerning mosquito. And there, you know, there are many different programs working to try and solve that problem as well. But we have we have other solutions. Let's let's go back to the Hold on. Wait, wait, wait just, just a second. Just a second. I want to catch people up. Okay, so we understand that the mosquito carry is a vector for disease, and that right. there are ways to deal with that. You can reduce the population of the mosquito, or you can disable the ability of the mosquito to carry the disease. Um, mm -hmm. And so there are other methods and. At the Institute for Responsible Technology, we commissioned a big report to be put on, on a website. You now have that, that report on your website on Wolbachia, which is a, uh, a method that has worked. People describe it as miraculous. It's not genetic engineering. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
We're not going to go too much into that now. We can give the website information uh, later as to, or, or why don't you give the website now as to where people can go to read all about everything. Well, stopgmm.com is where we've created a, a local uh, you know, a database, if you will, for different articles, different things you can do, initiatives, uh, trying to help people understand what they can do. Because you, everybody needs to understand this watching this. This is not about the Florida case. Yes, that's where this experiment's being done. But trust me, this is about agriculture. This is about other, other venues for mosquitoes, but this is about a, uh, an industry, a biopharmaceutical biopharma, industry, a bi biotech industry rather, trying to build itself. And it's trying to get to market. It's all about getting to that profit. And they want to go everywhere. They have dozens of species they've already been working on for agriculture. So by what they did, and we'll go into what they've done and why we're hyper-concerned over what's happening here with our regulatory agencies, is they've lowered the bar. And by lowering the bar, there'll be less scrutiny for every species that comes later. There'll be other companies that come in that may be less responsible than Oxitech is, even though you know we have clear indication that Oxitech has no uh, cognizance, no actual you know, conscience when it comes to the collateral damage that they can cause. They don't care. That's simple. And you know, let's talk about how we deal with mosquitoes now. We have a few different methods, all right, that we can choose. One, we have traditional chemicals, which what happens is mosquitoes are very adept and they become immune to these mosquitoes or resistant to them rather, uh, rather quickly to the chemicals that they're going to spray on them. And so they can kind of survive. Well, that's, everybody probably remembers DDT and the outfall of that was that yeah, it killed them, and they went through this whole world. We're going to eradicate every 80s Egyptian mosquito. That was what this was about. And they just went at it wholeheartedly, and guess what they did? They, they got almost all of them, and then now they've all rebounded, and they had to stop DDT because they figured out how detrimental it was to the rest of our planet. We were going to have no birds. You don't need birds, do you? So it, this is the whole thing. Collateral damage from these industries, they don't care until – Hey, look, there's a glowing problem over here. Oh, how about that? Now, the other ways we abate mosquitoes, which is the best method, is to be responsible as humans. And that means since these mosquitoes primarily live around humans, they can breed in bottle caps, they can breed, breed in trash that's on the side of the road. We need to do a really good job of not allowing those breeding sites to survive. We want to go dump those the water your, your gutters, one of them can backflow a little. Well, that creates a puddle that stays there. Guess what? I found out in my own house that somebody had put in a gutter that backflowed. <laughs> and that's where all my mosquito problems were coming from. When I discovered it, I started putting in this bacteria called BTI. Guess what? All my mosquitoes went away. Natural bacteria that the mosquito larvae eat and it kills them. Oh, darn. So we have natural methods that are harmless to humans. You mentioned one, Wolbachia. We'll talk a little bit about that technology in a, in a minute or two. But, uh, you know, so we have some emerging tech like Wolbachia, like genetically modified mosquitoes that we disagree with because of the rigors that they've allowed the science to, independent science and, and uh, investigations to really, um, you know, proceed with and vet this technology responsibly. Responsibly, and we have a new a new high tech called irradiated uh, insects. Which other successes on irradiated insects? We have no screwworms in the United States, and that's been around. That's a fifty year success from irradiating insects, and they become sterile. And then they, when they release them, it suppresses the population. So this new technology, both the genetically modified mosquitoes and Wolbachia, they're based on releasing a male-only species uh, or uh, male-only uh, portions of the species. And then when they go mate with the females, supposedly they're sterile. Now, in, in the case of Wolbachia, they're sterilized by what we call incompatibility, the cytoplasmic incompatibility. So zero offspring survive. And it's all natural. The bacteria can't live in your body because it's too warm for them. So it's it, it, there's been just 
years, tens of years, hundreds of years of studies of Wolbachia, that's harmless to humans. That that's simple. But the when you look at the things like irradiated insects, they're sterile because they've been radiated. And genetic engineering, uh, ge genetic engineered mosquitoes, they're sterile because they've designed in a gene splice that makes them sterile, and they can't have any offspring that survive. That's ideal. The problem with genetic engineering is it's never perfect yet. They're working towards getting more perfect. So when you do this and it's with the germline, the part that, that we're talking about, uh, create the chromosomes that create heredity in sub subsequent you know, generations, well, you are apt to create more off-target mutations when you're not precise. Uh, there's a lot of things that we don't understand yet about genetic engineering, but what I, I'm an engineer. I have a master's of science in electrical engineering. I know what the hell do I know about mosquitoes, right? So I've been doing this for nine years, and I have taught myself a lot of things by reading and reading and reading and by talking with others. And the bottom line is these technologies are not well understood, but people that become confident in their skills will push them upon you, suggesting that, oh, we know all this already. And, and it's, me, it's untrue. Let, and it, let me give you an really, example. Barry, let me, Barry, I want to I I mean, give you an example. People I do give that, you, they're not confident in their knowledge yet. They, I want to give you an example of that. Because wanna, when you're humble and you ask you know, questions, you do better with your science. And this is a group that refuses to do so. I want to give you an example of exactly what you said with Oxitec that happened to me personally. So um, so I was um, testifying at the uh, Florida Keys Mosquito Control Board, I don't know, 2014, I forget exactly when. And mm -hmm. um, one of their scientists, Derek Nemo, was testifying in favor of the release of the mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And in the lobby outside of the, of the boardroom, I, I said to him, first of all, you know, there's some small survival rate. It's not perfect. You're going to have some survive, like it was they was expecting 3% normal survive and up to 18% in the presence of tetracycline. And I said, you are now, you are gambling with the genome of the mosquito for all future generations. Because if you introduce the genetically engineered variety, you might end up changing the gene pool. And he said, no way, not possible. So few survive, they will just disappear. As soon as we stop releasing them, they will be gone. I said that's, I told him that was naive and dangerous thinking. And unfortunately, I was right. Because research, right. Done, research done in Brazil showed that even three years later after their release, up to 60% of the samples found that there was genetic contamination from the released Oxitec mosquitoes that he promised up and down would never do this, and it became a permanent part of the gene pool, meaning, according to the author of the study, those unnatural, genetically altered hybrids might actually be more dangerous than the original. They may be harder to kill. They may carry more disease. We don't know. No one has ever anticipated them or tested them, but they're out there forever. But that wasn't the only thing that Derek Nemo and I discussed. I said, Derek, have you, he tried to say, you know, the company said, no biting females are released, just the non-biting males are released. Well, we all know that's not true. Their sorting mechanism ended up releasing millions of the biting, and then the offspring that can survive could obviously be females and they can bite. So it was a complete lie. But I said, okay, now we know that some of your genetically engineered females will bite some humans, we know that the saliva from the mosquito gets into the blood of the humans. Have you tested the saliva of your genetically engineered mosquitoes? This was, they had already released millions in four, four countries. And he said, I love it. He said, we're just now doing research to see if the protein produced by their inserted gene is found in the saliva, meaning that it circulates inside the blood of humans. I'm thinking, you're a little late, Derek. But I said to him, Derek, the process of genetic engineering causes massive collateral damage. 
There was a study on human cells for cystic fibrosis where they inserted a single gene and up to 5% of the expressing genes changed their levels of expression. That means it could have new toxins or allergens or carcinogens, mm -hmm. which means that the saliva as a whole could be changed. So wouldn't it be a good, doesn't it make more sense to do the whole composition of the saliva to see if there's changes rather than just looking for a single protein? I'll never forget his response. He said, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is, again, Jeffrey, you know, and, and look, I, I knew Derek Nemo very well. You know, I spent a lot of time with him over the years, usually defeating him in debates that we had live. And basically because he was forced to hold that mantra that uh, started out with a series of lies. We don't release females. All of our offspring die. They can't hybridize, all this stuff. And, you know, I would show them in just a matter of a few minutes, you know, if he was allowed to go first in the debate that, well, he lied about this. Uh, uh, Dr. Nemo, are you, is this true? And, the, and this is what you deal with with the media is they, they want to, he's uh, a PhD. Oh, okay, he's a PhD. I'm a master's degree. And I guess I know so much less than him. You know, but I look at it and I'm one of the first that pointed out to them and I kept holding their chart up, making them read their chart. Their chart said that, let's see, uh, almost 15% of your mosquitoes survived 45 days, females. And underneath you wrote, long enough for females to take two blood meals and lay two clutches of eggs. I said, what is your definition of survival? All of our offspring died. And, and this is as stoic and as stupid as it was. I mean, it, it's your chart. It's your data from your lab. You can't ignore it and say you're doing valuable science. It, it's just wrong. And what it, Jeffrey Powell, I didn't know Jeffrey Powell at the time. I've met him, you know, on some Zoom meetings we've had and everything. He did that of his own volition. He saw the same things you and I did. You can't have data like this and say it doesn't exist and then believe you're actually a scientist anymore. Now you're a marketeer for your company. That's what you are. And you just happen to have a degree somewhere laying on the side, but you're not doing science any longer. And that's the problem with these people. They, they, they have decided, hey, uh, yeah, we're, we're, this is good for the world. We're going to save the planet. You're not going to save anything. You're causing trouble because... You won't listen to the rest of us that have some smarts. And doesn't mean I'm the most brilliant guy on the planet, but I'm smart enough to understand systems. My expertise is technically in systems. I don't believe any of those people have an expertise in systems because so they failed Barry. so many times. They don't look at that. I have a question. Mm -hmm. We talked about the danger of being bitten. Which is up in the air. Well, so there we could haven't be even gone to the deep, the depths that, that we really need to talk about there. You brought it out a little, but the reality is that their negligence to not test that bite when you know, look, you had the ability to do clinical studies and you've refused to. Just like they refuse to do any testing on antibiotic resistance promotion. They're raising these animals in a atmosphere of tetracycline, they have to, or else none of the brood stocks survive, right? And that's how they produce all the male, all the eggs. Well, the eggs they give us are both male and female. They don't separate those, so they don't know if there's females in there. They're just betting on that their feedback loop is so profound, so strong, that when they hatch, that the females without access to any tetracycline family of antibiotics because they'll go, we don't use tetracycline anymore. They use doxycycline. It's a, it's a family, and it's actually much, much more potent than tetracycline. But anyway, that aside, they, you, you can't sit there and look at this and ignore the facts that you are using this. We showed you directly how these mosquitoes can promote that, that they actually, you go, well, they never touch the water. Yes, they do. They stand in the water that you just had them in and they pick up bacteria and if there's any antibiotic resistant bacteria that were handed down from the mother to the egg which is very likely it's normal then it's going to be proliferated by the mosquitoes flying off because they're going to carry it on their bodies coming out of that water and they're going to bring it somewhere else 
And the fact that you will not just do simple testing on it, and understand the magnitude of it, is negligent and irresponsible. Period. You know, the passing of, of the microbiome from mother to child is actually built into biology. It happens in humans. I mean, I don't know if is you're all aware. your microbiota gone when you're born as a baby. No, no, it gets actually the there's yeah. milk digesting bacteria that move into the birth canal to inoculate the baby. And then the baby, so the baby true. gets inoculated from the mother. That's part of nature. And you're saying that right. they're they're saying, oh, no bacteria could pass from one generation to another. It's actually designed to in humans and you would expect it to happen in many different kingdoms okay right. so look, the chief of staff from the florida keys medical center down here in key west it pioneered this whole discussion he flew to the cane and he showed that this is reality uh i wish he would have been able to get mosquitoes from there but again we're dealing with non-disclosures and legal issues so they could not give out anything but the fact that Oxitec could have done this and tested and said, hey, yeah, this is what we need to be concerned about, it, it, that is the real point, all right? They continue to obfuscate the things that look, that appear negative for them. Instead of saying, look, we need to understand it correctly because we're scientists just like you, let's all understand it and let's make sure that we can move forward responsibly. They, you know, And we really should get into the discussion on how they got their experimental use permit approval this time because okay. this will scare everybody. All right, let's do that. I just want to say that, um, just to be clear, because genetic engineering has collateral damage and changes the way many genes express, mm -hmm. then not only could the mosquito bite be more dangerous than ever before, but the mosquitoes could carry more diseases. They could be harder to kill. They could have other properties that we wouldn't ever discover in the safety assessments in the first generation. Because what happens a lot with genetic engineering is there's a change in the genomic expression of the alteration in subsequent generations. So I was talking to a woman who was doing genetically engineered uh, insects, and she said in her laboratory, the gene was stable for 200 generations. As soon as she put it out into a netted environment, it became silenced in eight generations, completely surprising her. So they're dealing with a leaky technology. They're not doing the research. And ah, there's the word. Okay, go ahead. There's the word, leaky technology. So we worked with a group of scientists, uh, and you can look up some of the articles they've written. Jennifer Kuzma. She's the head of genetic engineering and society at NC State University. Uh, it's co-chaired with uh, a guy by the name of, uh, I'm going to forget his name right now, but it'll come to me in a minute. But uh, that aside, he's the one that uh, basically told me the story about the CAGE trials with Oxitec because he performed them with Oxitec. So these four scientists that we're working with, they're all uh, Fred Gould and uh, the other, Natalie Koffler from Harvard who is a microbiologist, and then uh, Holly Tooten from uh, University of Illinois. I think she's Champaign, not Urbana, uh, but it doesn't really matter, University of Illinois. And she's a field uh, viral entomologist, right? So she goes out and collects ticks and, and mosquitoes and things like that. That's squarely in their field. Every one of them are supporters of Oxitec's genetic engineering approach. Every one of them said, you should not be releasing this mosquito with the level of independent scientific investigation that has been afforded for this experiment. So they're in favor of the technology, but they think that Oxitex... Absolutely, and Fred Gould was the collaborator that worked on the CAGE trials that came out with the example why you don't bypass CAGE trials. Just He was doing a presentation for where I live, the village of Isla Morada, to try and educate them so they understood that there were perils. And here we are as scientists telling you that you really should put up a, a defensive wall to tell them, no, we're not necessarily against your technology. We're against releasing it without understanding these things. And again, it, it, I go back to my you know, first you know, comment about you know, the introduction is, it's not about what can go wrong or, or what are you afraid of. It's about, did you do the proper work to prove we can responsibly do this and keep people safe and the ecosystem safe while you're doing it? It, it has nothing to do with, 
we are not, our group, and I'm a scientist, all right, we are not afraid of genetic engineering. We're afraid of doing it when we're all nascent about the technology, including Oxitech. However smart they think they are, it's nascent. Where genetic engineering is being used responsibly right now are places like you said, fibromyalgia, uh, uh, sickle cell anemia. You know what? It affects the, the vaccine. I took it. I took the mRNA vaccine. You want to know why? It doesn't affect my chromosomes. It's not my heredity. It is me. It's my choice. I can responsibly hey, Barry, do that. Not Barry, next Barry, we're on Facebook. You start talking about right. that. They're gonna they're gonna censor us just by their robots. Trust me, we're not going in that direction. We're gonna come back to the mosquitoes. Okay, okay. I, I, we're coming I, I back to the I mosquitoes. I don't want to okay. talk about I don't want to talk about the word. <laughs> yeah. so, All right, I agree with you. Yes. So, but I it's the point being is that there is no fear. It's a fear of bad science. It's not a fear of the science that you're trying to investigate. It's doing it responsibly. And, understand and, and by the way, Barry, just, just for the record, I have to say this, having been involved in studying genetic engineering with scientists' help and, and being guided through with reading you know, umpteen papers and whatnot and speaking around the world in 45 countries and speaking to the organizations and groups that actually approve GMOs for their country, I, I remember speaking to uh, PM Bargava, who was one of the top scientists in the world, and he was asked by the... Uh, Supreme Court to review the approval committee uh, and process for GMOs in India. And he was on the on the uh, committee for eight or nine months. And then he, I, I interviewed him. He said, you know, Jeffrey, no genetically engineered organism has ever been, ever, ever been tested properly. Less than 10% of what should be required has been done, but it's been done by the company themselves. So it's basically dismissive. And he said, that it's basically a facade. And he wrote a letter to the Supreme Court, the prime minister, the health minister saying that, you know, they should shut down all GMOs and do the proper studies. So I just want to be clear, it is also possible, I remember talking to um, Professor Jack Heineman from New Zealand. He said, we have to understand that we may not have at this time the ability to properly assess GMOs, given that they can change permanently the gene pool, and that even, even, even if you do the best available, which is far from what they do, the best available state-of-the-art studies on the outcome of genetic engineering, we may not be able to justify its release in the environment because there are things that happen generations later. And since I spoke to Jack Heineman, a peer-reviewed study came out from Christoph Ten that said it showed that when you release genetically modified organisms, they often change in their expressions and traits in following generations and can, can then become more pervasive as a result. So it was again, even if you had the best science at the time of the assessment, there's a lot of scientific uh, understanding and a lot of scientists to say, it still does not, it still does not meet the criteria given the damage it can do in the environment. Anyway, back to you, Barry. Three I want recent studies. Three recent studies, all right? One of them, uh, Oxy, is actually cited in the risk analysis that OxyTech screen feeds to the EPA, all right? Well, one of those, this one was uh, 2020, and the lead author on the title is Knutson, and this is all from NC State, believe it or not, just coincidentally. And it says genetic variation and potential for resistance development to the TTA overexpression lethal system in insects. That is what OxyTech is doing. And the point being is the genetic variation is large and it has a lot to do with the microbiome. And there's another study that came out here in, in uh, 2021 and it's about the microbiome of the uh, mosquito and the vectoral capacity and the, and the, and the uh, you know, the fact that this microbiome affects that vectoral capacity. And then there's a third study that talks about the dynamics of the microbiome across relatively similar venues in close proximity within the 100, you know, miles or 200 miles of each other. And so what you end up with is these mosquitoes that they produce, they say, 
oh, all the offspring die, but yet the first study shows that there's this huge variation just in very close proximity mating with wild species because the wild species, even though, oh, they're all the exact same species, but they all have different traits. It's just like you. You, you look different than I do, right? We all have different traits, regardless if we're all human and we're all, you know, you and I are Caucasian and uh, we live in the United States and uh, maybe we're from the same, you know, historical background that, that her, you know, I'm Irish, Scottish, you know, and all this stuff. It, but it doesn't matter. It, the variety in just mosquitoes, which is a much more simple, you know, species than we are. It's so huge that these studies show that, yes, the overexpression TTA will be affected, and it's very likely that females are going to be produced. And they, they took sound bites out of that one article. It was produced in April of 2020, the same month that the approval came out. And they took sound bites out of that article out of context and misused them suggesting, oh, we've read that article, but you misused the two things that you referenced and you ignore the premise of the whole article that your overexpression TTA, uh, TTA uh, you know, lethal gene process is probably going to fail in the wild because of the variety of different outcomes you're going to get because of the breadth of the species performance. And it's exactly for what you said, all right? You do not get the same outcome. You do not, you think that, oh, they're all the same. They're not all the same. They're different in this neighborhood than they are in a neighborhood 20 miles away. All right. And these so, mosquitoes, they don't even know how far they're going to fly. These pe people know so little about their own product. It's absolutely amazing. It so really is. It's this, scary. It's, scary it's, it's really interesting that you're, you're touching on cutting edge stuff, things that were just reported this year and last year. And it brings up two different um, areas that our listeners should be aware of, the microbiome and epigenetics. Now, we'll focus for a second on the microbiome. We're talking about mosquitoes that are vectors for disease. So they're carrying viruses. The viruses is part of the virome, part of the microbiome. So if a, if a mosquito is more or less likely to carry a particular disease, it is very likely that the structure and shape of the microbiome of that insect can contribute to whether that mosquito or insect is going to be a vector. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert at this, but it's logical to assume since the microbiome is so critical for physiological function of all these different uh, species, that if you're changing the microbiome, it may have an impact on, Let's talk about a direct example. All okay. right. We were talking yeah. about it earlier called Wolbachia. Okay. Wolbachia is used in two different methods. The first method that we were talking about is what's called cytoplasmic incompatibility, whereas when I have a male that's infected with a particular strain of Wolbachia and I have wild females that do not have that strain of Wolbachia and the male mates with the female, zero offspring survive. It's absolute. That's how it works. You have another way to use Wolbachia, and that way is that when both male and female, or if a female alone has the Wolbachia, um, she'll pass it along to all of her offspring. So eventually everybody has Wolbachia, right? That, that's what happens. So you have a way to use Wolbachia that actually prevents all of these arboviruses, all these viruses I talked about before, the encephalitis, the uh, West Nile, uh, dengue, chikungunya, Zika, they're, they're all a group we call arboviruses. And these arboviruses, they are prevented from reaching the salivary glands of the mosquitoes when they use a certain form of Wolbachia. Now, there's about 3,500 different types and strains of Wolbachia in the world. But they found out that certain strains of Wolbachia, Wolbachia microbiome, all right, when it's a, the mosquitoes are infected with it, both male and female, guess what? The females cannot pass these viruses. It's amazing. And guess what? If we infected, uh, you know, if, if it comes out that, all right, so now the females are infected, the males are infected, 
some other wild type female comes along and mates with a male, well, guess what? Cytoplasmic incompatibility. All the offspring die. So that's natural suppression. So what ends up happening is it purifies the entire species where the females can no longer pass any of these diseases. It becomes moot because these are such a small percentage of the mosquitoes worldwide. They're not part of the pest population yet. They're not even that obnoxious, even though they bite you during the day and they're very stealthy. They, they try and sneak up and bite you on your ankles and then it's the slightest movement, they fly two, three feet away, right? You know, they're very docile, timid mosquitoes. And it's just how they behave. So now you're talking about a, a species that becomes rather benign because they don't pass any diseases. So why are we spraying for them? Yeah, there's only about 5% of the mosquito. Boring. Is it like 5% of the mosquito that's population? that's the most successful program there is on the planet right now is the work that's being done by Scott O'Neill and Scott Ritchie out of uh, um, the Australia. And they have just pioneered this work and done great, great, uh, promising work globally. And it has basically eradicated dengue and other arboviruses in certain venues where they've really worked on these tests. Uh, now you're seeing both China and Singapore, they fully embrace the cytoplasmic incompatibility um, you know, technique, and they have large mosquito uh, factories, if you will, that are building those release programs. Another company from the U.S. that's owned by Google, Alphabet, uh, or by Alphabet, is uh, Verily, and they've come out with high-tech methods not only to separate, assure that it's only males that get released, but to actually map out how to effectively go disperse these mosquitoes so they actually create the most profound and most efficient use of them to suppress mosquito populations. This is what technology is about, not about coming up with a half-baked idea that you think you've spent enough money and you want to get to market and I'm going to force it down your throat and I'm going to go hire a politically connected lobbyist to scare the people that are working for a Scott Pruitt EPA that you're going to lose your job if I don't tell you, if you don't pass this like I'm telling you to, and you look the other way and you save your job so that you can, and you pass this along as, oh, those poor people, we're going to experiment on them, oh well, but I saved my job, I'm a bureaucrat, because you didn't do your job. That's why these mosquitoes are here. That's why the Florida Keys are being subjected to this. That's why people can't opt out. That's why no matter how much good science we show in front of them, they go, well, we need to see something new and we really don't like this either. We'd like to get rid of it. If you can show us something new, we'll, we'll, we'll pull the experimental use permit. And they still haven't done it. And these are direct conversations I had, and I'll name names if you want me to name names at the EPA, Ed Messina and Richard Keegwin. I am not fans of yours. You had a job to do, and I watched people fall on their sword protecting this country when they had to get up and testify in front of Congress, and you protected your job instead of doing your job. And that is why people in my community are put at risk, in my ecosystems are put at risk because of people like you that need to step down and go find something else to do, period. Thank you, Barry. I think everyone feels your passion. I want to say, first of all, as we wrap up, thank you on behalf of everyone for investing nine years into this fight. I was there with you, you know, side by side. Uh, you've been here all along, Jeffrey, and, and thank God we have a great team of people. You're, you're a part of it. You were here early on. We, we were so naive when all this started. And all we knew is we didn't like the answers we got at the first Oxytech meeting, community meeting, and it was shown keys wide on closed circuit TV for the government. We didn't like the answers. And people like you came up and said, look, I know something about this. Let me help. And, you know, we've had you know, uh, Center for Food Safety has been a stalwart here and Friends of Earth. And they're all you know, friends are yours as well. There are people that we all help each other through these times to, to, you know, we all work in different facets and have different priorities. 
but this is one issue that we have all pulled together on and people need to be aware of what's happened with our regulatory agencies you know i i know i get a little impassioned because this is my home and i i simply want to defend it like everybody else does that wants to defend their home it's what i love it's the people i love and you know to watch this happen and know that it was because of a political hitman that came in there that had strong ties to the past administration and not that the past administration was aware of what he was saying inside of the doors of the epa they were not and he walked in and scott pruitt really had no clue as what was going on and you know so things happened that were really bad and this is this is what happens when you don't have stability in certain areas of your government you don't have standards there is no standard for releasing genetically modified species in the United States. We have no written regulatory standard. How are they doing this? This is seat of the pants crap. This is not science. And yet, President Biden, listen, President Biden, please. You wrote a directive in January calling this type of regulatory abuse out saying we weren't going to allow to allow it to happen you have 120 days to go out and find out where these problems are and let's get them fixed well you have not come here we've knocked on your door multiple times sending emails and your and writing in your portal to get your attention i've been on god knows how many interviews every single major news outlet ap reuters everything has interviewed me you have got to have seen this somebody has to have heard about this please Follow your own directive that you want to restore tr trust in government through scientific integrity and come talk to us. We are the poster child for what's wrong and we can tell you where the problems are from our own experience and you need to come hear it out because those same people that did not fall on their sword, they are still there and they owed that to the public. They had the 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 gracious opportunity to fulfill a public role in our government as regulators and they did not do it properly and they need to step down and we need this experimental use permit to be revoked and reevaluated i don't say throw it out the door but reevaluate it properly and determine how we should go forward it's not as a punishment to oxytech i i'm not a vindictive person I believe that they need the feedback to make their science correct. And until it is, we're all unsafe. Thank you again, Barry. And this, this for those who've been watching our Facebook lives and our interviews and listening to our podcasts, you will see and hear themes in this that you've heard before. Incompetent science, captured regulatory agencies, in uh, inappropriate dismissal of possible long-term reactions in, and changes in the genome. We haven't even discussed the, and we're not going to go into it now because we have to wrap up, the fact that if we get rid of the Aedes aegypti, then there may be tiger mosquitoes coming in that are more aggressive that can also carry some of these things. There's the, um, the possibility of, of other food chain. There's a lot of animals that eat mosquitoes and yet not sufficient research done on what might happen in upper level in the food chain. We know for sure that certain genetically modified crops and combinations with chemicals do have that effect up the food chain and yet it wasn't properly evaluated when Oxitec tried to introduce an olive fly that was genetically engineered. They never considered what would happen if humans ate the olives when the larva was in the olives. Was it poisonous? And they realized, oh, they're asking too many questions in Europe. We'll just withdraw our applications. <laughs> so, so it's it's an example of uh, you, you've been very articulate and very passionate. And it's like at some point. Barry, maybe you and I could sit down and you could say what your experience was in terms of the mosquitoes, and then I can describe similar experiences in Brazil and China and India and whatnot, and how this is a repeating pattern. And you've been very generous with Oxitec, perhaps more than I would be willing to be, because I think that they're, they're not just incompetent. It's not just incompetence that doesn't look at these things. They're actually covering up evidence that they have discovered 
and giving the wrong impression to get their products moving forward. So I don't we've, give them. We've seen this before. We've seen this story before. Tobacco doesn't cause cancer. Oxycodone, ha, it's not addictive. And genetically modified mosquitoes, no risk at all. Right. All right, everyone. So I would say if you're visiting the Florida Keys, avoid getting mosquito bit, getting a, bite, a mosquito bite, or avoid the Florida Keys. Unfortunately, I think because this can be a permanent change, it might have a long-term influence on the health and the tourism and the environment there. And hopefully we can stop it there because the next place they wanted to introduce it was near Houston and they want to introduce it around around the world. So we it's support you. Everywhere. So stop GMM. That's GMM, genetically modified mosquitoes. StopGMM.com. Read more. Let them know you're listening. Thank you so much, Barry, for all that you're doing. And thank, thank you, you for the I, whole I incredible it. group down there in Florida. I listen to some of the meetings. I've been in down there. I've given talks. You guys are amazing. You've mobilized. You've been doing this for years. We owe you a debt of gratitude. Thank you very much. And thank you for hosting this. Hopefully somebody will hear finally. All right. Do something. President Stay. Biden, we're rooting for you. Come on, get us. Safe <laughs> Take eating. Care. Thank you for listening to Live Healthy, Be Well. Please subscribe to the podcast using whatever app you listen to podcasts with. Or go to livehealthybewell.com to subscribe. This podcast will inform you about health dangers, corporate and government corruption, and ways we can protect ourselves, our families, and our planet. I interview scientists, experts, authors, whistleblowers, and many people who have not shared their information with the world until now. Please share the podcast with your friends. It will enlighten and may even save lives. Safe eating.